podcast. I am your host, Al Beldian. And I am your co-host, Rhea Haley. Thank you for joining us today. Today, we're going to be talking about money and specifically Al and my experience uh, with money growing up, the lessons that we have learned, the things that we could we wish we could change uh, and what we would like to teach our children so that they do not repeat the same mistakes that we made. If we take the old time machine back into time, um, I think back to when I was younger. I guess if we go way, way back, my, uh, my mom and dad were got separated when I was four years old. And so my dad went off and he's always had strong, solid careers. I don't think he's ever been out of work and, um, you know, very, uh, old school, um, worked construction and that, and jobs like that. And, uh, he, uh, he, you know, he always did well, you know, yeah. he always self-made man. Like yeah. he came here with what, how, how much did he say? $5 in his pocket? Yeah. $5 in a in a bag with some clothes in it or something. Yeah. He came over from Italy actually in, uh, in like the fifties, something like that, you know, worked on the railroad and you know, just, just worked his way up to the point where he owned his own construction company and did very well, had some ups and downs with the construction company, you know, with people not paying their bills and such, but he always managed to do well. Yeah. And so contrast to that, my mom, you know, single mom, she had child support and stuff like that, but she was working hard as a, I think she was a land secretary, if I'm not mistaken, or something like that. Uh, she was able to afford her house and, and feed her kids for the most part. But, you know, there were some times that were really, really tough. And I remember as a kid not being able to do the things that the other kids did and, and not being able to live in a really nice place or have sports events like I remember my mom put me in baseball when I was a little kid and she couldn't af- afford or, or she wasn't able to take me or to drive me to the practices and everything. So she could only take me to the games and I had never really learned to play baseball. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, when you're on a team like that, it's just, you know, a bunch of kids on a team, it's not super serious. And so, um, you know, they had to, you know, treat me like a, a team player and, and the kids pretty much ignored me, but the, you know, the coaches or whatever gave me the opportunities to, to go to bat and to play out in the field and do all the things that you normally would do on the game. Um, but I didn't know what I was doing and it was really embarrassing, you know, and when I got up to bat, I mean, I just swing three times and I was out every single time. Like I never, I don't think I've ever hit the ball. Um, when I was in that league, I may have accidentally hit it once, Mm -hmm. but you know, so growing up with that kind of lack in my life and, and not being able to, to, you know, feel like, like I can do what I want when I want and being, being restricted to what, what, what our family could afford. I mean, that, that makes an impression on you, you know, and, um, you know, growing up when I was 14 years old, I, uh, I started working for my dad's construction company. And then all of a sudden it was like the polar opposite because all of a sudden I was making, you know, construction money, um, as a 14 year old kid and all my other friends were doing things that, 
you would kind of expect, you know, paper routes and actually most of them didn't even have jobs when they were in, when we were in 14. Cause I think in, in Canada you need, or at least in Alberta, you need to be 16 before you can legally have a job unless you're just working for your parents. And so they didn't really have money other than when their parents gave them an allowance, I guess. And yet I was like, I guess, you know, relatively everything's relative but i was relatively rolling in it you know because i was working construction with my dad and i was bringing in money and so you know my dad is very very smart with money you know very he's a successful a self-made success and he was always he always believed and always told me when i was younger never get into debt never get into debt and you know he had a mortgage and stuff like that or and, and at times he had car payments but other than those big, big ticket items or whatever, he would always wait until he had the money before he bought anything. And, you know, back then I didn't understand that. I just thought, you know, old school, you know, this is um, just the way people are at that age. Mm. And, you know, I just didn't pay any attention to me. It was like me. I got all this money's coming in. It's like an essentially an endless flow of money. I'm not worried about it. I remember there was a place in the mall called Granada that you could sort of rent to own things. Like I, I really, really wanted this fancy VCR back in the day, video cassette recorder to watch movies and record movies and stuff. And I remember going in there and seeing this thing. It was like, you put down like 10 bucks and then you could rent to own this VCR. And so you just pay a monthly, a monthly bill and then you take this thing home right away. And it was like, Ooh, all right, buy now, pay later. This is awesome, mm-hmm. you know? And so my life started out with, with the whole buy now, pay later mm-hmm. concept and money coming in month, you know, every, every two weeks yeah. or whatever, I would get a paycheck and I'd be able to buy things. And, eat and then you get used to it. You assume that that money will always be there. You'll always have that abundant flow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it was a lack of respect, right? It was, I wasn't putting away a dollar, like not even a dollar. And if I was smart back then, mm-hmm. I could have started an RSP or something yeah. and I could have put away like 20 bucks a month. It La- wouldn't even it, have I don't know if it's lack it. of respect or this lack of experience, right? Yeah. But, but I mean, I was told, right? Like, I mean, obviously people don't really listen to their parents, but I mean, I remember my dad saying, you know, put the money away, put the money away, don't mm-hmm. spend it, don't spend it, you know, and work hard now, you'll appreciate it later and stuff, mm-hmm. which, which I do have a little bit of a problem with because, you know, now my dad's, you know, 86 years old and his knees are all shot and his back's yeah. all, so he had surgery to fuse his back vertebrae together yeah. and stuff, like he's a, a wreck. But he was, he did a lot of physical Yeah labor right like manual labor so that's understandable why his body deteriorated so much and it's a shame that he can't really enjoy the fruits of his labor yeah but it's no it's no different if you worked in an office and you're a workaholic and you work day and night day and night and never took time out with your friends yeah you'd have health problems possibly diabetes adrenal fatigue yeah and you miss depression miss out with you miss out on your family what i mean what it comes down to is balance right yeah Obviously, when you're young and you're making good money, you want to put in a little extra effort. But at the same time, you don't yeah. want to turn into a workaholic. Or if you're in, in a, a physical labor job, you don't yeah. want to hurt yourself and ruin your body in, yeah. in such a way. But balance. It's about balance. Yeah. But you know what? I think I think that, you know, back 
back when I was much younger, I, I was thinking I have to put away like hundreds of dollars every paycheck to make it count, to mm-hmm. make it worthwhile. Otherwise, there's no point in, in me putting away 10 bucks or 20 bucks. But that's because I didn't really understand compound interest, mm-hmm. right? Like if I had understood that, then I would have felt really good about putting away 10 or 20 bucks every paycheck. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't the case. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. That's the other thing too, is you, you hear about going through your retirement and mm-hmm. having, having, you know, a couple million bucks put away for your mm-hmm. retirement. Like who wouldn't love that dream? Right. Yeah. But the fact is when you're putting away 20 bucks a month as a, as a teenager or a, or yeah. a young adult, you don't see that $20 million or $1 million no. nest egg. And and look at inflation. Like today, um, a million dollars is, is a completely different thing than it would have been 20 years ago, yeah. right? 20 or 30 years ago. Um, nowadays, a million bucks is obviously still a lot of money, mm-hmm. but it, you know, to have, if you live, live a, a a good life, you know, not necessarily an eccentric, crazy life, but if you live a good life and then all of a sudden your income stops and you have to rely on your retirement Mm -hmm. income, a million dollars is also, is going to start becoming a little bit tight, especially as time goes on and inflation keeps going up and, Mm -hmm. you know, that kind of thing, you actually have to change your lifestyle and become um, a little more conservative than you would have been. Um, uh, it's just, it's kind of funny. Like I remember my dad was telling me that he paid for his, one of his first houses, he paid $6,000 for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, could you imagine buying a house today for $6,000? Mm-hmm. Like it would be a shed in a backyard of some Not rundown, down, run yeah. down place in the middle of, you know, some nowhere. Right. But, uh, you know, equivalent today, a $6,000 house might be like, 300,000 or yeah. $350,000 or something like that. And back then the, the $6,000 house was like, you know, 800 square feet or something, mm-hmm. you know, like that. Right. And nowadays a, a decent starter home, you're going to be in the 1500, 1500 to 2000 kind of square feet. Right. That's not to say that those small homes weren't, you know, cozy little homes. I mean, the, it's, it's just a matter of per- personal preference, obviously. Yeah. But, but yeah, I, I look back on on my life and some of the things that have happened to me financially, and I don't, I don't know. I guess I I kind of wish I would have paid a little more attention to attention to my dad's advice, being um, not necessarily a hundred percent of what he said. But the fact that the one thing that stands out to me is not buying something before you can afford it. Right, it's debt. It's debt that cripples yeah. you, yeah. right? Like if if you have debt, I mean, other than the obvious mortgage, car, um, y- you're you're renting the lifestyle, mm-hmm. right? Like that's something that I had read um, a few years ago, and it really hit home. It's like you're renting the lifestyle. So, God forbid, it, you know, the economy collapses or you lose your job. Um, you're hooped. Yeah. You you have you have no way to make those payments, and you don't own whatever it is that you that you're renting or borrowing mm-hmm. or trying to mm-hmm. pay off. Mm-hmm. So you know anybody can come in and just take it away. Yeah. But when you have it paid in full, it's yours. Yeah. Nobody can touch it. Yeah, I heard a saying once, which which I really enjoyed. Um, someone said, "Hey, do you know why they invented drive-throughs uh, in in banks?" And uh, and um, the 
it's like, what? I don't know. Why'd they invent drive throughs mm-hmm. and banks? And it's like, so the banks can see their vehicles too once in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's true. Like, um, w- when you don't, when you don't own it, well, well, here's the thing. We were, we were listening to a finance guy a little while back. Remember mm-hmm. how profound that, that information was? Oh, yeah. And it was like, it seemed like common sense after the fact. Oh yeah. But, but it's like, okay, so let's say just for an example, you have a car payment, you have a, ho- a house payment, and then you have like um, all the bills for your cable TV mm-hmm. and all that junk. And then you have gym memberships. And so you have all these bills a month. So every month you're, you're forking out potentially thousands of dollars uh, to pay all these things off mm-hmm. to have the lifestyle that you have. Right. And then when you look at that and you think, okay, when you, when you get to the point where you're retired, you know, heaven forbid you lost your job or whatever, and then you have to start dipping into your retirement or something like that. How much money would you need per month to live mm-hmm. versus how much money would you need to pay all those bills and all mm-hmm. those loans and all those lines of credit and stuff, right? What it comes down to is, let's say hypothetically that you were able to pay for your car in full mm-hmm. and you were to pay for your house, your pay your house off. Right. So now just for gas insurance and, and repairs on your car, maintenance on your car and, and taxes and utilities on your house, essentially you can live all well, groceries, of course, mm-hmm. but, but with, with those two things bought and paid for, the amount of money you need to pay gas insurance, maintenance, groceries, um, u- and utilities is, is, is a tiny little fraction mm-hmm. of what it would be if you had to pay the car payment on top of that mm-hmm. and the mortgage payment on top of that. Right. Yeah. So when you go like, obviously the goal in retirement should be to have everything paid off. Mm-hmm. So that, like the major things like your car and your home, obviously. Yeah. 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 And there's, and there's, there's sort of a conflict there because there's some investment people that say that the, the mortgage is such a low interest rate that you should never pay it off because you can put the money elsewhere and make a lot more money earning money on that money. But what, what they don't seem to notice is these are, these are like astute financial people that have all their financial affairs in order and they know, you know, they're putting away money every month and they Mm -hmm. know exactly where their income's coming from and they know exactly how much money they need for everything. Mm -hmm. The problem is most people aren't that disciplined, Mm -hmm. right? And so if you, if you can't be that disciplined and then you, for whatever reason, lose your job or you become disabled or or any of Mm -hmm. those things in life that can happen, now all of a sudden you have nothing and whatever money you've invested, you now have to draw on that yeah. to pay for all those bills like yeah. your mortgage and your, and your car payment and your other things. Right. Right. Whereas if your house and your car are paid off, imagine how much money you could put away and how fast it would grow mm-hmm. if you didn't need to pay it on your mortgage or your car. Yeah, exactly. Right? I know like growing up, I had, I had gone to financial advisors cause I thought, okay, I don't know enough about this. So I had enough common sense to, to seek help. Um, and I was told, you know, save, 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 save. And I had specifically asked, well, what about debts? Cause I had student loan debt back then mm-hmm. and, and some credit card debt. And, and they were said, no, you just, you just, keep paying those, but you have to invest, invest, invest. And that was 
I, I now know that was the wrong advice mm-hmm. um, because, you know, had I paid off all my debts first and foremost, then I could have taken the money that I was putting towards my debts and started investing that every month. Yeah. And I, you know, I'd be very, very, very happy financially right now. Um, yeah, it was, it's a, it's quite a different story. Like it, re, debt is really um, crippling. Mm-hmm. And it, the first priority should be get rid of your debt. Yeah. It, it also, like for me, when I became debt free, it gave me such a peace of mind. Like it, it was incredible. I wasn't as stressed out at night and in the mornings. You know, I could. I felt like I could start to breathe a little bit better yeah. because I thought, okay, well, now that my debts are taken care of, I can start saving for my future. I could start putting money towards a nest egg. You know, I can start um, planning and start really enjoying my money. Where before, when I had debt, every time I bought something, I felt this like tightness in my chest, like, oh God, I shouldn't be spending money on this. So I couldn't really enjoy what I was buying. Mm-hmm. And I really wish I had known that when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, I think so too, because if you are debt free, then all of a sudden the money that you put aside can be, I mean, yes, of course you can do smart things like invest it in your, mm-hmm. I, we got in Canada, we have these, or I get, is it just in Alberta or is it in Canada? We have the TFSAs, right? The tax-free savings Canada. accounts. Um, so, you know, you can put as much money in there as you want and any interest you earn on that, well, it's not as much money as you want. You have limits on the mm-hmm. top, but they're very high. And so, whatever money you put in that account, whatever interest you earn on that account, mm-hmm. you don't have to pay taxes on it, right? Yeah. So those and our RSPs and our ESPs um, are ways that you can invest your money in a really smart way and still have it available, you know, for for the future to mm-hmm. when you need it and when you're gonna when you're gonna use it. Like TFSAs are amazing yeah. because you can just put all your money in there and then later on if there's something that happens like you know your your you have a house and your water tank explodes or something you can you can get a new water tank just by yeah. pulling a little bit out of your TFSA but in the meantime it's in there earning you money right and if you have a, a good investor like like uh, Ria and I found an amazing guy to do investment saving in. us tons of money oh. I, I used to be with Raymond James mm-hmm. um, and, and previously before that, Edward Jones, and they were charging incredibly high, high, high service fees. So, you know, not every dollar that I was saving was actually going towards my investments. Um, and, you know, in some cases, the money wasn't being managed very well. Um, but we found this wonderful independent financial advisor with a brilliant track record Um you know, who, who doesn't charge fees like Edward Jones and Raymond James. So, um, now more of my money, actually all of my money goes towards my, my savings and my investments. Um, but he gets paid through commission. So Mm -hmm. whatever funds he invests my, my money in, he gets paid commission. So that's how he makes his money. But yeah, I, I really wish I had found somebody like him previously because I didn't understand just how much money I was losing in fees. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when I, uh, before we met him, um, I had finally got to the point where I was like, okay, well, I'm going to put some RESPs away for my, my two boys so that they can, uh, have an education. Right. And so of course I went to the Royal bank of Canada mm-hmm. and I went in there and I 
talked to my uh, financial person there and I said, I want to do these RSPs. And she's like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And she set them all up for me and she set it up so that I was automatically transferring a certain amount of money a month into them to help them grow. And then when you and I sat down with Bob, he was like, okay, well, where is your RSP and our ESPs? And I told him and he's like, okay, well, you know, I have some options here that that would be do do better than than what the Royal Bank's doing for you. And I'm like, okay. So what happened was I moved my RSPs over to Bob and then RBC sent me a statement explaining the whole thing, you know, summarizing all the money I made, which ended up being 93 cents after three <laughs> years. Sorry, two, it was a little over, yeah, it was a little over three years. Yeah. Something like that. Three years, I think. It was either three years or... But the point is... It the was point is, yeah, over three years, I made minuscule. 93 cents. Yeah. Gotta feel good on, about that. On multiple thousands of dollars in an RESP. Yeah. I moved it to Bob. He invested it for me. And like a month later, I had already made $12 and something cents yeah. or whatever. Like it was like, it was like, whoa, okay. Yeah. Night and day. I know. And that's the thing. Like I, I often think back like, gosh, if I had, if, if I knew back then what I know now, mm-hmm. wow, I'd be so rich right mm-hmm. now. It'd be oh, yeah. wonderful. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'm still very grateful for what we do have and, and the lessons I have learned mm-hmm. um, because, you know, I learned them soon enough that I'm now starting to change yeah, yeah. Uh, the direction of my finances. And obviously I have good lessons to teach um, our kids if they're willing to listen. Let's hope they are. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I know Al, you may, you shared your story and, and growing up I had, um, it, it was very interesting because I grew up with my grandma and grandpa initially and and um, they always believed that life was very abundant. And my grandpa was a hardworking farmer and slowly bought up more and more land. Like he was kind of like your dad, you know, like worked his butt off um, day and night kind of thing to, to grow this farm. And if he didn't have a good year, you know, the family hurt. So he was supporting um, his kids and supporting myself and, and my younger sister. And um, yeah, it was it was quite quite good. Like I never felt that we'd run out of money. I never felt any anxiety over money. Um, he just had this philosophy that we'll be taken care of and just keep doing his hard work and everything's going to work out. And then when I finally moved in with my mom and dad, it was a completely different story because there were a lot of arguments about money and there was a lot of stress around money. Um, you know, and my dad was very controlling with money. So any money that my mom earned, she had to give to him and he spent it as he wished. So she really had no, um, freedom even with the, her own money that she earned. So it was, it was quite, uh, quite difficult. And then when my mom left my dad, cause he was extremely abusive. Um, and I'm so grateful that we finally left. I was 19 years old and you know, my mom had to rely on assistance from the government because um, everything, the courts froze all the bank accounts. She couldn't, you know, use any money that was in the bank or she couldn't sell the property. Um, and, and everything was held up in the courts for years. So for years, it was extremely difficult. And, and I remember very distinctly going to school hungry, you know, because there weren't enough groceries in the fridge. 
my mom didn't have enough money, right? So, you know, things were extremely tight and difficult and um, luxuries like eating out just didn't happen. Like it just, it just wasn't possible. So unfortunately I had, you know, uh, learned to fear running out of money and fear spending money. So even when I spent money, I couldn't really enjoy it because I was always worried that I was, you know, going to run out. And thankfully, um, you know, I, I started to work through all those emotions. Like as we mentioned previously, I love EFT, emotional freedom technique, tapping. Um, and I used that to work through all that anxiety and fear. Like, I mean, for, as you know, Al, for a while there, it was so bad. Like I would sit down to pay, pay bills and, and I would just be shaking and I'd be in tears. Like it was so traumatic. Um, and obviously it was, it was a lot of stress from previous years and, and also having, um, you know, gone through a, a very drawn out hostile, um, custody case where I was paying for lawyers much more than the money I was bringing in every month, which was driving me into further and further into debt. All that was, was adding on to things. But when I was able to release, um, you know, the bulk of the, my fear and anxiety, I started to shift how I felt about money. Um, so before I had thought money was like hard to obtain, hard to keep, um, you know, I had to work my butt off for it, you know, a lot of negative associations. And then I started thinking, okay, well, what if, what if money came to me easily and effortlessly? What if money was really abundant? And what would happen if I started being really grateful for the money that I do have? Forget whether or not I have enough to pay the bills, but what would happen if I just felt really, really grateful for that money? And so every time I went, you know, grocery shopping, instead of feeling that anxiety, I mean, I still sometimes, you know, I, I would still feel it. I started saying, well, thank you, universe, that I can easily afford this. Mm-hmm. Thank you that I can easily support my child, even though I was, you know, supporting her on my own. Um, and then I kept saying it over and over and over again. And eventually, you know, I started, my mentality started to shift Mm -hmm. and I started to look at money differently. And when that happened, um, then money became more joyful for me. And I started to feel, uh, lighter and happier about it, you know, because money is energy. And Mm -hmm. before, when I heard that, I was like, you come on, you gotta be kidding me. Money is energy. Like what the hell are you talking about? Right. Um, and money is not evil. No, it isn't. It's not evil. It's, it's like anything. It's like a car. You can use a car for good or you can use it for evil, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to hurt somebody. Yeah. You know, and, and I practice that. I make a point of practicing this today, every now and then, like at least once a week, I'll sit down and just do a gratitude meditation. You know, I'll pick different things that I'm grateful for, but at least, uh, every now and then I, I will choose money and just, just focus on feeling grateful for the money that I do have, feeling grateful for the money in the world and for the good that, that, that money is, um, is doing like feeding kids or bringing water to people who need it or, you know, providing shelters and all those good things. Um, because as you know, well, remember Michael Beckwith, um, had said that people need to change their attitude towards money. Yeah. The money's money's not evil. 
money money is not something that you have to stress out about and and you don't have to feel like you're spending your money like he said never ever think that you have to spend your money right never go hand the money to the cashier and say and and feel like i'm spending this money i have to spend my money right losing it he said yeah you're not losing your money he said change your attitude around the money is energy and when you go to buy something at the at the store you're sharing your money you're sharing your wealth and yeah. you have to con- you have to understand that when you pay something at a store or online in these current times in these modern days when you pay for something you're actually spreading your money out there and it becomes a tool that grows and grows and grows because what yeah. happens it you know basic economics 101 right when you buy something at a store the store makes money and it has the ability to pl- to pay for the employees that are working there yeah then the workers get paid and then they go and they spend their money in their grocery stores and go yeah. and whatever and then you know so some of them have more than others and they put them in the in the bank uses mm-hmm. the money to loan it to people and you know like it's just it's this domino effect where when yeah. you spend one dollar by the time it goes all the way around again it's it's a thousand dollars because yeah. of the way economics works so by by buying something at a store you're sharing your money and giving that person the ability to buy groceries for their family and feed their children and and on and on and on and on. So that's the attitude you should have when you're going out and and you're using your money to to make other people's lives better. And in the same vein, acquiring things for for making your life better, gas for your vehicle, groceries, clothing, electronics, whatever it is you you spend your money on. Yeah. And you know what else I did is I I started getting comfortable giving away money, Mm -hmm. like not not getting anything for it. Like we're giving away money to random people that I felt needed it mm-hmm. or uh, or a waiter or a waitress. tell the story of that girl or that lady at walmart that's such an awesome story oh it was actually the dollar store or the dollar store so you know a few years back both of us were in a really really tight place financially um and it was it was so stressful and i thought i need to i need to change this and i thought okay you know as tight as money is we're really blessed we have a roof over our heads, we have food for our children and we're healthy. So right off the bat, we're doing phenomenally well, right? M- much better than a lot of other people. So I had, um, I had, I got a $50 bill from the bank and I thought, okay, I'm just going to give this to the person that I feel needs it. And we were in the dollar store and I think the kids were getting like little knickknacks or, you know, for Christmas shopping, that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm in the aisleway and this, um, mom, young mom had two gorgeous little, little girls. And one of the, one of the little girls was, she was so sweet. She kept, she'd go over something to, to one of the bins and pick up something and say, what about this mama? And her mom would say, no, I'm sorry, sweetie. You can't get that. And, and then she'd go to the next bin. She's like, what about this mama? And her mom again would say, I'm sorry, honey, you can't do that. You can't get that. And she went down, like she picked up four or five items. And I looked at the mom because I was curious, like what was, was the mom saying no, because she didn't want to buy the daughter what the daughter was asking for. Um, or was it because she didn't have money? And I looked at her basket and it was just bare essentials, like, like food from the dollar store. 
And I thought, oh my gosh. And in my heart started to hurt. And I thought, oh my gosh, okay, she can't afford to get her kids what she needs. And I thought, okay, well, the money definitely has to go to her for sure. But I want to do it in a way that I didn't embarrass her or, or belittle her. I didn't want her to feel uncomfortable or think that she's a charity case. Uh, and I didn't want to draw any attention to it. So I realized that the kids had wrapped up their shopping and I thought, okay, we're going to go. So I, I took the $50 bill and I put it in my hand, scrunched it in my hand and I walked up to her and I said to her, excuse me, ma'am, you dropped this. And I stuck my hand out. So she naturally opened her hand and I just put it in her hand and I immediately left. So I didn't get to see her reaction, but I really hope that she was able to get her little girls just something, something that's special and, and sweet and wonderful, you know, that, that would make their Christmas um, a little bit nicer, you know, because when, when my mom had left my dad and we moved from Ontario to Calgary, um, you know, we didn't have anything. So um, our first Christmas, like, you know, we, I knew it was going to be a difficult Christmas because we didn't have anything to buy each other. And, and I knew my mom felt horrible about it. And for, I don't know how it happened, but um, we had a family sponsor us. So, you know, I think it was Christmas morning or perhaps it was Christmas Eve. Somebody came and they dropped off a giant box of food and these gifts and, and the gifts, the gifts were, I got a Walkman and makeup and I was like, oh my God, among other things. And I, and I was so stunned. Like I was, I was just so stunned that somebody who doesn't know us cared enough to go out and pick out these items that they thought, you know, a 19 year old would enjoy. And, and my younger sister and my younger brother and my mom and, and wrap them up and just give them away. Like it, it just impacted me so deeply that I thought, okay, every opportunity I can, I, I'm going to pay it forward. I, I want people to know that they matter. And I think that's why it impacted me so much because I felt very much alone. I mean, we're out here in Calgary. We didn't know anybody, you know, my parents were going through a horrible divorce um, we were under police protection. So we were living in fear, didn't have money of our own, didn't even have our belongings. We had to leave everything behind and come, come out here with nothing, you know, and, and here this, this gift shows up and I thought, wow, somebody cares and, and I matter. We matter. Like, you know, we're not forgotten. We're not insignificant. We actually matter. People who don't even know us, but, you know, through this gesture are, are saying you matter. And I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. And since then, I've, I've done everything I can um, to give money to random people, to sponsor families, to do charity drives, um, because it's so important. And, and I don't want anyone to, to feel um, that isolation. Mm -hmm that I had felt and, and to feel so worthless, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, on the, on that point, like that's a very deep emotional thing that happened. And, 
not everybody's in in that situation mm-hmm. but obviously if you're if you're a little bit more well to do helping somebody who who doesn't have anything like it, it, it's it's a really great gesture but it can also be done on a much much smaller scale mm-hmm. and and the example i want to give you is for example i was working over in the northeast and every single morning i would go to the tim hortons drive through mm-hmm. so if anyone outside of canada is listening to this we have a coffee chain all across canada called tim hortons and it's super famous and or super um popular, popular. yeah and um so every morning I go to the drive-through, and I'm a pretty relaxed person. I'm I'm generally very courteous, you know. And so the the drive-through at this particular coffee shop had two lanes, and um, they were both backed up completely full of cars because Tim Hortons is very popular, especially in the morning. And so I pull up really close to the exact same time as this other car pulls up. And it wasn't a it wasn't a really beautiful car, any. It was a bit of a not quite a junker or anything, but it, it wasn't a super fancy car. And and I I just kind of stopped and and I, and I kind of flagged the lady on, and I'm like, you know, go ahead, go ahead. And so she went in front of me, and I'm listening to my podcast and my music and or whatever it was at the time. And I'm you know I go to the drive through and I ordered a coffee, and um, I come around the corner, and this is a Actually, the very first time this had ever happened to me, the lady at the drive-thru window says, that lady in front just paid for your coffee. (laughs) And I was just like beside myself. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, oh my God. Like, and and, you know, it was just such a salt, small gesture. Like it probably equated to like a dollar 65 or something like that. But it was just like, it was just like somebody had done something really just to say thank you. Right. Yeah. And so ever since that day, I, for no reason at all, I'll just buy the, I'm, I'd go up to the, you know, I'd go up to the counter and say, does the person behind me, like, is their order like under five bucks or whatever? And they're like, yeah, yeah. They just bought a coffee. And I'm like, okay, I want to pay for their coffee, you know, mm-hmm. just to, to give that feeling that I had to somebody else, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, one time, and, and it's so weird because that had, was the first time that it had ever happened to me. And then it happened like a couple more times Mm -hmm. and at Christmas time, some, some guy had gone through the drive through early in the morning and had given them like, I don't know how much money, like 200 (laughs) bucks or 500 bucks or something like that. And he just said, here, pay for everybody until this runs out. And so the drive through was just like one after the other people with shocked looks on their faces coming out of there because they got a free, you know, breakfast or, yeah. or coffee or whatever. And it's like, what a cool little thing to do yeah. for, for, for no reason at all, you know? And it was yeah. just so neat. And so, and I think about, it also reminds me of um, a friend of mine named Bill and we used to work downtown together and there's on downtown, there was always um, panhandlers and, mm. and people less fortunate, homeless people and stuff like that. And they would often beg for money on the street. Right. I'm sure in every city of the world, this is fairly common. But um, one of the things that Bill always he always wanted to help people, but he didn't want to give people money because they're going to go buy cigarettes or drugs mm. or alcohol or Lord knows what they're going to do with it. But 
this one lady comes up to him just as we were coming out of the, or just as he was coming out of the building. I wasn't there. He just told me it, this story. But the lady came up to him and she's like, um, sir, can you please spare mm-hmm. some change? I haven't eaten in a long time. And Bill's like, oh, well, come with me. Mm-hmm. And he actually took her across the street to, I think it was a subway or something. And he like bought her a sub and a coffee and like some a mm. cookie or a bag of chips or something like that and said, here, have a nice meal and, and you know, walked mm. out. And so there's, there's, well, first of all, <coughs> I agree with Bill. You don't just give panhandlers money yeah. because all like we got these people. I don't know how many other places the world this happens in, but we got these people where you stop at a red light. Yeah. And they they're standing on the curb and then all of a sudden they unfold this piece of cardboard that says, please help me. I haven't eaten in anything you can spare or whatever. Mm. And they literally walk down the street between the parked cars or the cars waiting Mm. at the red light. And and you see people rolling down their windows and handing these guys money. Okay, I'm guilty of that. I did that last week. No, don't. (laughs) And I heard you and I heard you say no. And I know and I know the reasoning why. But. Something in me just said, this guy needs it, Okay, just well, give it. Well, here's the deal behind this that people don't know is, first of all, a lot of these guys are making a lot of money doing that's this. That's true. I've, I know that's that. They're not that's making five bucks to buy a sandwich. They're making hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And, this, and, they, and some of them, I'm not saying all of them are like this. I'm not saying that, that, that there's not people there that really do need help, Mm -hmm. but there's people who actually dress up like bums and do this kind of thing because they're so lucrative. And what happens is you, you enable them and train them that this is a good way to do things. Yeah. And then they just keep doing it and they start getting, you know, really crazy about it. I, I know in the States they'll come down and they'll like, they'll, they'll steal a windshield washer squeegee yeah, yeah. from a gas station and then they'll go around and clean people's windows at the traffic light and then hold their hand out for money. Mm-hmm. And it's like, guys, you don't get this. This is a, a soft, squishy human being on a major busy road with large tons yeah, of yeah, steel yeah. It can create moving. so many accidents. Yeah. And, and, and there's so many bad situations that can come out of this. If the guy's not paying attention and there's two lanes of parked cars waiting for the light to turn red and the third lane's wide open, just as he walks out, someone goes flying by, the guy's dead. Yeah. Like, like, do not enable people to be you know, yeah. doing things on the street in front of your car. Hold on to your money. And if you really want to help these people, donate to the mustard seed or whatever shelters are down there that are there to facilitate these people getting off the streets. Yeah. And give me sure Use your food. money wisely. Do not hand it out to people who may or may not ever need it. I know. You know. Or may not know what to do with it. And if you're basically giving somebody, think about this, think about this in your heart, in your heart. You're thinking, I want to help this person. I want to give them a dollar or two dollars and and they're going to be able to go get themselves a coffee and a donut or a sandwich, right? Well, guess what? They're going to go by, not, I'm not saying everyone will, but in a very large majority of them will go and buy cigarettes or alcohol or drugs. Mm -hmm. So basically, you're facilitating people like this to basically get their habits, to go buy cigarettes and I used to walk downtown every day to go to my work 
And one guy walks up to me and he goes, look, I'm not going to bullshit you. I want to go buy some booze. Can I have a couple bucks? Mm. You know what I mean? And it's like, well, you know what? Just because you were honest honest with me, I'm going to give you $2. Yeah. You know, but that's a totally different story. But the point being, why, why enable, like, for example, if your dog or your kid or something does something wrong and then you give them a reward, Mm. They're going to continue to do that same wrong thing or other wrong things because that's what's getting them a reward. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, speaking of kids, you know, like there's this topic of obviously allowance. Like growing up, I didn't get allowance. And, you know, my situation was very difficult. Um, and I started working very early on so I could support myself and help out with my fa- help my family out. Um, you know, but initially I had thought, okay, well, I'm going to start giving my daughter an allowance and she was you know she's she still is incredibly generous like she like she's happy to buy people stuff and she just wants to see people smile you know which i'm so proud of her for that i love that um that part and part of her but um you know after a while <laughs> she kind of got to the point where she just kind of expected it mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like well where's my money um, I can buy whatever I want. It's my money, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I granted I started young, and I thought, okay, this is not going well. And I didn't want to give her money for for helping around the house because I thought I don't get paid for cleaning up after her mm-hmm. <laughs> and helping around the house. So that you know that's to be expected. Like that's a team effort. We're a family, so I want her to learn to pitch in. Um, n- not always because there's something in it for her, right? Like mm-hmm. this is what we need to do to have to live well. Um, so, you know, not that long ago, I said to her, okay, well, you're going to have to start working for this. You're going to have to start earning it. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I already do chores. Like, oh, yeah, you do the bare minimum. And even then it's a struggle. But, you know, you, you need to earn it. So you need to do something above and beyond to earn this money. And I'll tell you what, you can earn a dollar a day. And she's like, a dollar a day, that's not a lot. I'm like, yeah, but at the end of the month, you can have 30 or $31. Like that's a lot of money. That's more money than you were getting per month to begin with, but you have to earn it. You just have to do something above and beyond what you're, what's required of you. And she's like, I don't know. I don't know if I like this. So the first three days she stuck to it and it has now been more than six months and she hasn't gone back to it once. Um, But when she wants money, like, you know, let's say we're going to the mall Oh, I, I need money. Like, yeah, you do. So what do you do about it? Oh, I'll quickly clean. Like, well, you don't have time to do that. Like, you know, I'm trying to teach her, like, yep. think ahead, right? And I said to her, honey, this is why you need to have money with you all the time. Like, you you need to think, okay, I may not want to buy something today, but tomorrow or next week or next month, I'm going to want to buy something. So I need to make sure I have enough money to buy what I want, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that concept still hasn't sunk in. But mind you, she's only 11, so she's she's learning. Yeah. But she's got the generosity thing, which is fantastic. I'm mm-hmm. super happy about that. Well, the problem with the generosity thing is, like, she'll want to make every weekend, she'll want to make cookies or something to give to her teachers. and And it's like it's really nice that that she's got that gesture and like Mm. once in a blue moon sure (laughs) but it's all of a sudden we're like funding the baking that she gives to her friends and her teachers every bloody weekend like no i'm not not yeah we had to curb that that a little bit and explain to her that that stuff doesn't come you know from from free or from nowhere but yeah yeah no it's difficult but i think that 
the important thing to understand, especially with children, is they have to understand the, what the value of money is. Right. And there's a there's a whole bunch of different ways to teach the value of money. But I think if, you know, as soon as your kid turns 16, you buy them a new car, that's not teaching them the value of money. Yeah. Helping them get a loan to buy their first car. Now, that's, that's a gen- generous parental thing to help your kid understand, right? right? And... You know, one of my friends, he had to buy his own car, but his parents paid his insurance. So it was like, you know, there's there's a million ways you can dice it up and yeah. help where you can be generous and you can be helpful. But I don't care if you're a multimillionaire, your car, your your kid should have to work for or or somehow earn. do earn earn in some way, earn the things that are that are important, like a car or a, yeah. or, or a cell phone or whatever it is like. I know a lot of people now, their kid turns like five years old and they buy them an iPhone or something like that. It's like, what? Yeah. Like, I think the three of our kids combined have like one or two cell phones just in case of an emergency. And it's like the cheap flip phone. It's not like an iPhone, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, there's, there's this level of entitlement right now in, in this generation and, you know, they call them the millennials. There was a problem, problems with millennials and entitlement. And now you have, um, what did, what, what did they call now? The, the new generation of, of children. Remember it was like, uh, there was oh, a name I can't for remember. it. I forgot what it was, but there's a name. Uh, the millennials are now past and there's this, now this new generation. I can't remember the name of it, but they're, they're, they're growing up with, with technology and video games and iPads mm-hmm. and stuff like that. where where their attention spans are becoming non-existent. Yeah, yeah. People are unfortunately enabling stuff like this. You know, mm-hmm. like a parent will give the kid an iPad because the kid will quietly sit there and play on the iPad and yeah. leave the parent alone so the not parent realizing can the get damage. work done. But they're creating. not realizing the amount of, of damage that's happening. Right. And that's not to say, I mean, there's 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 been a lot of studies that say that kids using playing video games and doing things with computers and whatever are building different brain yeah, yeah. Uh, synapses and things that are not yeah. necessarily a bad thing like it, in in problem solving and and physical reacting t- times yeah. with their 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 reflexes and things or and stuff like that are are like so far above the that of the mm-hmm. generations before because of the way they've grown up and stuff but I mean, it has to be in moderation, though. Exactly. Like they're they're doing it all day, night and day, versus only doing it. You know, having two hours of screen time, which is what what is recommended as, um, as healthy, like yeah. limited at two hours. Yeah, and unfortunately, those children are lacking social skills and are in most cases lacking deep bonds with the parents. And yeah. so, yeah, it's. I mean, perhaps we could talk about that in another episode, but it's creating a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but. Um, but back to finances. Back to finances. <laughs> is like yeah. earn have have your kids do your do your family a huge favor and do your children a good deed and have them earn things that they want. Mm-hmm. Don't just buy them for them. And you know what? If your if your child is is managing their own money and on some aspect, like you know, my boys, each of them have their own wallet and they manage their own money, they have their own bank accounts mm-hmm. and they go, we take them to the bank and they put their money from their wallet into their bank machine and they're, and they're starting to understand that concept and they, they have debit cards. So if they want to buy something, they can pay with their mm-hmm. debit card. So they're starting to learn kind of all that stuff. 
But at the same time, they still are expected to earn money. Mm-hmm. Like, like uh, my youngest Alex will go shovel people's driveways in the winter time. So that, and he'll, and he, he goes out and earns money to, to build up the thing. My other son, he's writing a novel. He's like, like he's 400 pages into this incredible novel. And, and he's, He's also wants to be a director. He wants to make films, and when when he grows up, and and he's, he already makes lots of films now, and he's he's so talented. But these are things that we encourage, right? You you know, we want them to start at a young age and and be ready to do mm-hmm. things and make things happen and get off their butts and 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 earn in some way or some capacity. Yeah. You know, when we had our garage sale. You know, it was the kids were expected to help out with it, right? Like mm-hmm. it wasn't just like, okay, you guys can stay inside and play video games, and we're going to go out and do this garage sale, right? Like, you know, and I help out with uh, with our local community association, and I'm constantly dragging the kids out to help, you mm-hmm. know, set up events and manage events and then clean up after the events and stuff like that. Like they're they're not sitting at home playing video games all the time. No, that's but, the worst thing you could do. No, it's it's. Get out there and be part of something. Earn, yeah. earn your keep. Give back to the community. Those are values that people need to impart on their kids, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. I think that's really, really important. Yeah. So, so you know, if you are in debt, like this is the the takeaway that that I learned from listening to this financial um, guru. He said, um, pay your smallest debt first pay that off first so do all the minimum payments for all your debts pay off your shortest uh your smallest debt first but but pay the minimum payment plus some yeah so that could be 10 plus 10 plus 20 plus 50 plus 100 plus a thousand whatever it is depends what you can afford obviously yeah depends on what you can afford but get rid of that smallest debt and then move on to the next one and then move on to the next one but every time that you move on take the amount that you're paying on on the first debt and roll it into pay your payment for your second debt. Yep. So as time goes on, your payments are getting bigger and bigger and bigger on each debt until you are finished with those debts. And yep. honestly, that advice, I think, really turned around my finances. Oh, absolutely. Because, but there's a little twist in there. Yeah. Um, you, you also want to manage, it's not just the smallest debt, but it's also the one with the highest interest rate that you want to pay off first. So let's say you have a debt for $500 and it's got an interest rate of 7%. Mm-hmm. And then you have a, a, a debt for $1,000 and it got an interest rate of 19%. Mm-hmm. It's important that you pay the 19% one first yeah, and yeah. then the 7% one. But same, same pattern, same information. Take whatever you're paying on that small debt or the, or the high interest debt or whatever. Once that's paid off, take that amount plus the minimum payment you are already paying on the other debt combine Mm -hmm. them together and then pay the next debt and when you're done that take the original payment the minimum payment of that debt plus the minimum payment of the next debt and pay all that on the next debt so you see how that grows and then the 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 next one is the the original amount the minimum payment plus yeah. the minimum payment plus the minimum payment and then all that together is the payment on that debt each month yeah. Yeah. and so each month you're paying the same amount of money on yeah. all your debt yeah but the problem is your debt are, is disappearing faster and faster and faster it's like it's like a, a, a yeah, not the problem you, that's a good thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. 
But the, the thing is too, is obviously don't keep incurring debt. Like if you're well, paying yeah. credit card debt, you know, don't keep going, oh, well, I've got a hundred bucks room now on this credit card. So yeah. I'm going to go spend it on something. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah. And, yeah. and avoid credit cards at all costs, unless you are absolutely disciplined and can pay it off every month. Yeah. And you're using it for the points or rewards. Yeah. And um, re you can request a smaller amount of credit. Like yeah. you can request that your credit card has a maximum of a thousand dollars on it or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't have to have $10,000 of credit on no. your credit card. Well, they That's changed the rules. Now they have to ask you to increase it where before they just increase it automatically. Right, right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that's another trap to, to be careful of, but you know, it is, it is possible. And, you know, I think also realizing what's important to you, right? Like gathering stuff is not important. And I think that every year that I get older, I, you know, really recognize that, um, stuff is not important at all. Like it's, it's our health. It's the moments too. It's the, the moments. experiences that are important. Yeah. And it's having the basics, right? Mm -hmm. Transportation, shelter, food, you know, education, like as long as the basics are covered, then we're doing well. And then everything else on top of that is just gravy right and the other thing too is if like obviously everybody has this desire to be very very rich and buy yeah. whatever they want that's fine and dandy that's that's cool but if your goal in life if everything that drives you is how you can acquire more stuff if you have a need inside you a burning desire and need to buy new things and you want a snowmobile and a motorcycle and a boat and a vacation property and whatever and it's not just because you know you have the money to blow and you got to spend it mm -hmm. like if you literally are desiring that and that and to you that you can't achieve success until you have all that stuff you need to stop and ask yourself why that is. Mm -hmm. There's something deep inside you that's driving that desire. It's not, sure, it's cool to be rich. It's cool to be a millionaire. Go for it. But do it because you can. Don't go and buy a boat on credit yeah. and then buy a snowmobile on credit yeah. and then buy a motorcycle on Don't credit. Don't rent the lifestyle. Don't rent the yeah. lifestyle, right? Yeah. If you can afford all that stuff, all the power to you. But at the same time, what do you, you know, what's the point? What's the point of having? Well, that's just it. Like, you junk? know, what I really, 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 really wanted to buy 10 years ago, I, I most likely don't even have now, right? <laughs> like yeah. I, I yeah. sold it for pennies on the dollar kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like, you know, we think that we need to have something um, because it's the latest, greatest or, or whatever, but really we don't, yeah. we, we really don't. They're just things. And, yeah. you know, having moved multiple times, things that I've paid so much money for are, are now gone. Yep. Right. And, and I thought, you know, items I bought that I absolutely love, like I bought a hammock. I, I loved being able to lay down in the backyard and just sunbathe. And I was like, so in love with this hammock. Um, well, you know, I, I moved, I lent it to my sister and she left it out in the weather and it just deteriorated, fell apart. And I thought, wow, like, you know, I, this hammock meant so much to me and now it's, it's nothing. Right. And I had spent quite a bit of money on it and I thought, wow, I don't know if that was a really good investment yeah. or not. I got a few great days worth of use out of it, but that's about it. Yeah. Nothing material like that is an investment, right? Like no. an investment is something where you buy it and it appreciates like 
like maybe if you're really wealthy, you might buy art or sculptures or, or, or things land, like that, or property, or yeah. land or property, bonds, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever the you know investment vehicles are. But cars, boats, uh, stuff like that, not mm-hmm. investments. Yeah. Those are literally wastes of money. I mean. There's probably very few people on this earth that don't know that if you go into a car dealership and buy a brand spanking new car, as soon as you drive it off the lot, it drops mm-hmm. like two thousand, three thousand, five thousand yeah. dollars. You could literally turn around, drive it back into a, a, a different car lot, and try and sell it, and you won't get anywhere near what you paid for it. Yeah, like like, I mean, there's one there's one actually funny funny situation that that I like to tell because. This is so not normal. My dad, at one point, I I don't know if he was having his midlife crisis or something like that, but he ended up buying a Corvette. And it was really funny because I barely remember the Corvette because he didn't have it very, Hmm. very long. So because he knew the guy who owned the car dealership or whatever, he had, you know, been buying cars from him for years and years and years. And he he got a pretty decent deal on Mm -hmm. this Corvette. But I mean, it's still obviously really expensive. But it was brand spanking new and he I think I got to ride in it once. Mm. And um, what happened was the the guys at the car dealership knew my dad really, really well. And this Arab, this like literally this filthy rich Arab came into town and wanted a Corvette and went in there and said, I want a Corvette. I want it like really like fast, like mm-hmm. within the next few days. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have any that matched what he wanted. But by some weird coincidence, it was almost identical to the one that my dad owned. So the guys who know my dad at the dealership called him up and said, Hey, Alito, there's this guy here and he really, really wants to buy a Corvette exactly like the one you have. Mm -hmm. And he wants it right away. And he's willing to pay this much money. was actually more Mm -hmm. than my dad paid for the Corvette. Uh-huh. So he's like, yep, absolutely. He sold, he drove the thing back. <laughs> they, they took it in the back and polished it all up and sold it to the Arab. And my dad got more money than he paid for it. So nice. that's, that's about, you know, other than, than people who have like restored really, really old cars and whatever. I mean, cars just are not an investment. No. And, and other than my dad's fluke, I don't think I've ever heard of any opportunity where somebody bought a car and then sold it for more than yeah. It, it may or may not happen some sometime, yeah. but, but we bought, you know, like you and I both bought our cars brand new and paid the, paid it off. And yep. uh, we plan on keeping them because yeah. we don't yeah. like having car payments no. every month. No, the, one of the, one of the best things in my life, well, two, the two best things that happened to me financially in my life were when I paid off my first truck <laughs> and then I bought another one and then I paid off the second one and yeah. just recently and, and not having that car payment, it's like, all of a sudden you're just like, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I don't need that extra money to pay the car. Now yeah. I can do something. Yeah, like, like 400 plus dollars a month, right? Like, well, I was stupid. I bought a, a, a Toyota 4Runner and I was paying $879 yeah. a month. Yeah. And it was just like some months it was like scraping together and avoiding buying food because I had to make my car payment Mm -hmm. on top of my mortgage payment and everything else. It was like, I made some stupid, stupid mistakes in my financially. I've probably made more stupid mistakes than most people. But what happened was, you know, I guess I had, you know, my dad's voice in the back of my head from when I was Mm -hmm. a little kid. 
And I eventually went, you know what? Life would be a lot better if I wasn't in this situation. Yeah. And, you know, through the horrible stuff that I went through financially and otherwise, I managed to crawl out of it and get to a point now where, where I'm not 100% debt free, but I'm very close. I only have one left. And once that's gone, I'm going to be living la vida loca. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, like I cannot wait to be debt free. I actually have a hunger for it now. Yeah. You know, before it was like, you just feel like you're always going to have debt. It's not a big deal. You're always going to have debt. And it's like, Oh, it's actually here. Like I can see it. Yeah. I can see it not having to pay that money anymore. Oh yeah. It's so freeing. It's just, it's well, just, yeah, you're already there. I, I don't want to ever have a car payment again. You know, even though I say my next car is going to be a Tesla, I'm somehow <laughs> going to have the money to buy it outright. Well, well and think, I will not have a car payment. Think about it, folks. If you have a car right now and it's paid off, you can take whatever money you were making on that car payment and put it in your TFSA yeah. or, or an investment. Yeah. And then by the time you're finished driving your car, you know, maybe you, you, you drive it for five years or 10 years or whatever. And then, and then when you're ready to buy a new car, that money you've been putting away each month, instead of having to pay any interest whatsoever, you're actually making interest. Yeah. And then you take that giant lump and plop it down on the desk of the car dealership and go, I want one of those and this is cash. So I'm only paying this much. Yeah. And they're like, yes, sir. Right away, sir. Absolutely. They, they will bend over backwards when you drop cash on their door. On their yeah. Door. But you can also negotiate, right? Like, cause I mean, I, I as you know, Al, like I um, got my car for a pretty good deal, but I shopped around. Yeah. I knew what, I knew how much the dealerships paid for the car and I thought, okay, well, I'm willing to pay this much. I'm going to be fair. They still yep. get to make money. They still have money to pay their salesperson. Because I knew that, you know, for selling a car, a brand new car, the salesperson got $500. Um, so, I, you know, this is what I'm willing to pay. And I had reached out to all the dealerships and like, this is the car I'm looking for. This is what I'm willing to pay. And only one out of, I don't know, even know how many I had called, um, got back to me and said, all right, let's talk. You can come on in and, uh, you know, and it worked out yeah. and I was, you know, I, I didn't quite trust them. So I had them show me uh, their, their paperwork, show me how much they actually paid for the car. Cause I wanted to confirm that uh, the information I had gathered was actually accurate. And it was, so I did get a really good deal on my car, but my car, I had to put on, you know, I had to make payments for five years to, yep. to buy it outright, but you know, still shop around and get yourself a good deal. Well, yeah, I mean, you're, you're the shrewd negotiator for sure. I mean, you've done some crazy stuff. I mean, I remember when I was paying a hundred and something dollars a month for my cell phone bill and then you got on the phone and read them the riot act and all of a sudden I was paying like 50 or $60 a month for the bill. And I'm just like, how did you do that? (laughs) I'm not exactly the best negotiator in the world myself, but um, it's good to have you beside me. (laughs) Well, I think if you're fair, right? Like you, like you just need to be fair about the price. Like if, if somebody um, it's all about value, right? Mm -hmm. If you're getting, brilliant value and it's really worth how much you're paying for it, then you can't argue it. Yep, yep. But if you're not getting really good value for what you're paying, then what the heck, right? Yeah. Like that's not fair. That money yeah. should be going well, to we else. had We had a similar discussion about insurance, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt 
in my gut that I, my insurance company and, and my broker were doing me a, a service and I was getting good insurance. And you were absolutely adamant that the, the insurance was way cheaper at this other place. And we ended up getting on the phone and comparing apples to apples and oranges to oranges. And it turned out I was actually getting a pretty good deal. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it doesn't always mean, you know, you have to, uh, you know, take people and, and, and force them into a deal or something. I mean, it, it doesn't always have to be that kind of an intense negotiation. Sometimes there are people out there that give fair deals for, you know, for, for yeah. whatever, but it's important to, um, you know, understand it, you know, don't take, don't, don't get taken advantage of, but be fair too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's your money. Like that's how I look at it. It's my money. So, um, you know, I have kids to support and, and a house to pay for. And so I'm going to be careful with my money and, and at the same time, generous with it too, to the people who need it. Yeah. Right. But, um, yeah, I, I don't want to overpay for anything. No, I have, I have plans for that money. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's for sure. So, uh, what do you think? Key points from this uh, episode. I think you're fairly obvious. Don't go into debt. Yeah, and if you are in debt, pay off your debts first and foremost before you focus on your investments. Yep, yep, and uh, you know, pay the highest interest with with the largest amount of money that you can put on it, yeah. and then just pay minimum payment uh, on the other debts. Yeah. Then when you pay the one debt off, take whatever you're paying plus the minimum payment of the next debt and put it all on the next debt and then continue that yeah. on until you're debt free. And if you have, um, you know, negative feelings about money or anxiety when it comes to paying bills um, or buying groceries or anything like that, you need to work through them. There's tons yeah. and tons and tons of um, free resources. If you look up um, EFT you know, money, tons of free videos online that you mm -hmm. can, um, go, you know, just practice along with and work through some of those feelings mm -hmm. for sure. Yep. Yep. And don't forget to check out Ria's, uh, Facebook page, which is linked to on our website and, uh, which is shizdiggity.com. And you can check out her EFT and all the things that she's doing. But, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Ria makes a really good point. Um, it's about how you think about money, yeah. right? And be grateful for what you have. Regardless because, of how little it is. Yep. Regardless of what situation you're in, be grateful for what you do have. And if that's, if that's difficult for you, um, you know, sit down and, and, and do some tapping or, or talk to somebody or, you know, read some books or whatever start to start to get control of your thoughts and your and your mind and try and focus on on positive and happy i mean it, it's it that alone will change your life yeah don't watch the news turn the news off that's yeah. probably the best advice anyone could ever give yeah. you actually Just i have shut a your tv off super super quick uh, story about uh being grateful for money and the reason that i say be grateful for money is because i know it works so i was in a really difficult place financially i had a lot of legal bills to pay for um and my credit cards were maxed out didn't know what the heck i was going to do and uh, I said, okay, I'm going to start being thankful for the money that I do have because I had some money. It didn't have enough to cover everything I needed to cover, but I had some. 
And I started focusing on how grateful I am for the money I have and really felt that like in my heart, like not just thinking about it in my head. Um, and out of the blue, you know, I got the money that I needed to, mm-hmm. to make the to make all the payments that month. And it was a significant amount just out of the blue. Yeah. You know what? Now that you mentioned that, um, when I was in college, I was living in an apartment downtown and I was barely able to afford any groceries or anything. I had a loaf of bread, a jar of dill pickles, and a package of processed cheese slices. And I invented something called the bachelor sandwich. Mm-hmm. And you take a slice of bread and you put a slice of processed cheese on it and you put a dill pickle in the middle and then you wrap that around the pickle. And that was a bachelor sandwich. And that's how I survived college. And at one day I was, uh, you know, at, I was, I had, my rent was coming up and I was at a point where I had no money and I was in big trouble and I was wondering what the heck am I going to do? And I remember coming home from college on the, on the LRT, which is our, our rail, um, what do you call it? Light light rail transit above ground subway kind of thing. Right. But, um, I was coming home and as I was walking towards my house, I remember just looking up and saying, please help me. I just, I just need a break. You know, I, I really just need help. Mm. And when I got home, there was a check from the government in my mailbox for like 300 and something dollars, which was actually more than enough for me to make up my rent mm. and have a little bit extra for groceries. And to this day, I don't know where that money came <laughs> from. But the weird thing was the fact that at that moment in time, I was really desperate and I really needed money and I had just let go yeah. and just said, I just need help. Yeah. And all of a sudden this check was there in my mailbox when I got home. Like that was like, sure, coincidence, whatever you yeah. want to call it. But I was very grateful at that oh, point. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was weird because that kind of triggered off other things where... I had kind of gotten it into my head that I would always land on my feet like Mm. a cat, right? And in all the things that have happened in my life, the thing that dragged me through, I think we're going into a bit of a different topic here, but the thing that always dragged me through the difficult times was I was absolutely adamant that I would make it through, Mm. that that whatever happened, I would get through it. I would get through it and I would would be successful or, or, or safe or happy or whatever on the other side that's gonna be another podcast yeah for sure absolutely for sure all right so you know what i think we're uh, starting to dwindle on here and it's time to wrap this podcast or this episode up thank you so much for joining us again yeah thank you for listening uh if you enjoyed this podcast please share and give us a rating we love to hear your comments Um, The show and all accompanying notes related to each episode can be found at shizdiggity.com. That's S-H-I-Z-D-I-G-G-I-T-Y.com. So please check that out. And uh, so until next time, this is Al and Ria saying choose happiness. Thanks, guys. Thanks.